1: Now here are your hosts: Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers, Pure Athlete Yet, yeah. a transcend race hombre. Matt Butler, I don't talk. Man, I back it up, and we are sock full of that. Man. I'm right. And Jeff Howe, it's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Stone Cold set, up. So. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. It is the off-season, but I've got a lot I want to get to today, so let's not waste any time and get right into it. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, the man who holds this thing together, the glue of Longhorn Blitz, Matt Butler. Matt, how are you, sir? Doing quite well. Yourself? Uh, good. Did you enjoy all the severe weather going on man, in I our neck of the woods away. over the
0: weekend? That stuff was insane. Like, the highest I've ever seen Barton Springs in my life. Like, it literally, it, Barton yeah. Creek crested at the second highest it's ever been, highest since 1929. But, like, it was like, you know when you go into Barton Springs and you have that place where you can buy burgers next to it? Yeah. Think if the water was up to there and that was where your feet were. That's where the water yeah. was. Nuts.
1: Yeah. Um, a man who had his weekend impacted by the water, uh, cause he was down at Hornbash. I had a Bucks backyard in Buda, uh, down in my neck of the woods. Lifetime Longhorn 2002, UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. When he gets that T-ring back, I promise, folks, he's going to wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member, a black card member of DBU. Number 21 in your program, no more in your hearts, Mr. Rob Babers. And, Thanks for the intro, brother. Uh, no problem, Rod. I don't want to uh, belabor it too much, but uh, The Horn, our, our wonderful partners, the Austin Radio Network and The Horn, uh, had their second annual horn bash over the weekend out of Buck's Backyard in Buda. Fantastic. Butta. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, I brought my wife out there and yeah, my young daughter. Thanks for
2: coming, man. You brought yeah. the family out. Yeah. It's a family That's affair. Awesome. Yeah. I always say it's kind of like a family family reunion, and you had, yeah, you brought the family out, and that was really cool, man. It was good to uh, see you. Rod
1: had not seen my daughter yet, so I wanted to make sure that happened. Um, It's a beautiful thing. Oh, man, she's gorgeous. Yeah, Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, But speaking of the weather, yeah, you guys lost an RV. (laughs) Uh, We lost an RV.
2: We lost like eight porta-potties. Another RV got wrecked. Onion Creek. Yeah, and it just, I mean, the water rose really fast, and it just wasn't. This is the crazy part. They didn't have enough time to really move the RVs because the water was rising so fast. And then once it got muddy, it was just, you know, you were stuck there and mm-hmm. it, it couldn't move them out. And, of course, stuff got washed down river. But the barbecue teams, I think there were 40-something of them total. I want to say 34. 35, 36 of them stayed.
1: I think it was thirty-nine. I think there were only
0: 39? two. Only okay, two yeah, yeah, because Aaron wrong. Hogan yeah. uploaded yeah. that video so of them sitting there in the middle of it. they just,
2: they just basically risked their lives so that we could have some good brisket and good ribs. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what happened. Because I mean, they say the fire like Marshall came down and was like, "Hey, man, we got you know, hey guys, mm-hmm. yeah." There's a fifteen foot wall
1: of water coming <laughs> down Onion Creek <laughs> in about gosh, thirty minutes.
2: They're like, "Nah, we good. We got it. We got it." <laughs> so uh, that, that's actually what made the event really. A success because if they would have left then nobody would have gotten a chance to eat and I don't think it would have been as successful as it was um, because of the weather I deem it a success. The fans came out you came out. It was a beautiful day the next day. The next yeah. day was oh, one yeah. of the best days we've had in 2019 here in Austin but it turns out the day before it was like you know the Two, the flood, two things I want Noah's to mention out there. two things I want to mention on Hornbatch <laughs> and Bash. RVs were the and- Um
1: <laughs> whenever I meet people it's amazing You know, because I've been at 24-7 Sports and Hornets 24-7 since the day the site launched. It's almost 10 years. And I get more feedback on, hey, love the Blitz. Get more feedback on the Blitz than anything. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, thank you guys out there for listening, downloading, supporting the show. Yeah. We greatly appreciate it. And two, Matt, I was kind of hoping you'd be out there because Bucky and Aaron celebrated their 20-year anniversary of being yes, on right. the air.
0: I didn't know they were like renewing vows, re- re- and re- them them vows, and then like, I saw them in Dumb and Like I was like, what is going on here? But with yeah, Reverend
1: no, Rod presiding over the ceremony. I, I talked told to told That was
0: officiating the ceremony. It was not my idea, trust me. Yeah, no, it was Christina came in here that week before and was saying that they were having I was like, I'll be there for the Rockets. Warriors game starts at seven thirty, and she was like, Up, it's a day thing and it's gonna be done. So I yeah. was tied up till seven thirty, so unfortunately. Couldn't make it out to watch the game with them, But i if I would have known Bucky and Aaron were getting married again, I would that would have been pretty cool to check. No, but, no,
1: it was fun. Because fun. it was cool because Chad Hastings was their first producer. Trey was in that chair for a while. Matt, you sat in that producer's chair. Yeah,
0: that's where I started as an intern was behind old Detamore doing that. And then Aaron, I mean, Bucky in between me graduating college, before I got hired at that radio station, I was like Bucky's assistant for like a month or two. He just sent me Bucky's around the places. Assistant. Like I, I was picking up. You
2: have to sign a number non-disclosure no me, it, was like <laughs> that, I, it was the most unofficial <laughs> job ever i yeah. was driving around <laughs>
0: picking up lawn mowers for like basically all his prizes for the mullet open and like was doing his mullet open stuff for him basically and yeah. then started at the radio station and that was when you got hired like literally within like that first year was whenever you started you were just sitting down watching the sports buffet and then yeah. started doing the show man that's crazy
1: well um, um so that's just a kind of a slice of what's going on here uh, yeah. in our recording No, no, it's crazy. Our recording no, area. People, uh, people, more people know you the from Studios.
2: the. Sorry about that, interrupting but no, more, people, more people know you from the Blitz. I wanted to throw this out there, but I didn't want to throw it out there before you guys made your points. I remember when Emmett Smith, and it blew me away until he said, Man, I swear to God, more people come up to me and tell me they love me from dancing with the stars than <laughs> he ever did to tell me, Hey, they love me from being a running back. Uh, with the Cowboys or with the with, with the Gators. Yeah. And it blew me. I was like, are you crazy? But then it just let us know, like, we're in a bubble, a sports yeah. bubble. And he was like, no, no, man, people love me with Dancing with the Stars. they always going to be like, man, you were awesome on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. And to me, I think that's kind of with you. Like, you, you like the, 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 the web world is like a world of its own. And then there's, like, the radio world. They intercept. And they obviously – there's a lot of crossover. But, man, people – People love Jeff Howe on the radio. Well, and that I, I get more compliments when Jeff Howe's on the show. On when you come on doing football season Thursdays and Mondays. Uh, then, hell, most of the things we do on the show, they love Jeff Howland Radio. I mean. And I think I uh, part of that, that's yeah.
0: you being humanized because, like, when you talk about you know Emmett and that happening, it's like he was a football guy, just like just just a writer. But then, like, you see that human element and the personality, yeah. and people connect with it. And that's sort Good of point. what the podcast idea or the conversational aspect of radio—you have that human element where you don't get it just as a cut and dry. Print, read, or a cut and dry football player
1: running into a wall. Well said. I appreciate that. Well said. Uh, speaking of human, I, I lost my mind the last probably week <laughs> or so. Uh uh-uh. uh Digging into research, and we'll get to some of that today, but this is research that's going to carry fun. us pretty much through the summer and pretty it's much. It's called forever. rabbit holing. I've,
2: I've actually coined the term yeah. rabbit holing. You just mm-hmm. start, ra- you go down a rabbit hole, <laughs> and you're like, you know what? I'm going I'm to. A- I'm gonna do this. Ra- I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do this rabbit hole. Right, I'm going deep. I'm going deep. But the, fir- the first
1: thing I want to get to this week is uh, rabbit holes. And, and, <laughs> and the research will <laughs> lead us into the second big thing I want to hit this week. But the first thing is news on the forty. Uh, they broke ground and should be probably within the next, as we sit here now, within the next week or so, uh, in earnest start on the south end zone project. Rod, it seems like. Man, we've been talking about the South End Zone project since the North End Zone project was finished 11 years ago. It's like the MoPAC project. It (laughs) It really is. Anytime
2: they put something in a project, it's like, no, literally, it's a price like the no like Texas the Stadium. Browns, it's gonna be that same. It's gonna way. take a
0: while. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, you're spot on with that too. <laughs> that, that that university, God. that stadium's gonna be always growing. That the next time it's finally finished is ten years later, and yeah. something else will need a revamping. And that's how Mopac's been since my parents literally first heard of Mopac in the '70s. All yeah. you need
2: to know is Mac Brown was selling to us that they were going to close the horseshoe mm-hmm. of DKR when he was. Recruiting me in 1999, and they didn't do that even when I was on the 40 acres. So, it goes to Tom Herman's point where he says, like, what he says, like repainting. He said, basically, the facilities, the arms race between facilities is like repainting the Golden Great Bridge. By the time you get done repainting one part, it's It's time to start all over and get to the beginning where you started, I don't know, five, eight years ago. It's Mm -hmm. always a project. Yeah, which is what Mopac. So anyway, there's a couple
1: impressive <laughs> things about this. Number one is it starts with Chris Del Conte, and he CDC? has raised $125 million of the money that's going to go into this facility. And we went through kind of the end of the Los dodds era, Rod, where everybody across the board, I think, in the athletic department was just kind of resting on their laurels. The whole we are the Joneses yeah. deal. And Texas fell behind and fell behind quickly with what TCU was doing and what Baylor was doing. And, and basically, you're not even top of the line in your own conference. You're probably middle of the pack, if not worse, in your own conference in terms of facilities. And then the Steve Patterson debacle where, you know, just we don't need to rehearse you know, all of that. P. Oh, yeah. geez.
2: Hey, I still take up for Stevie P because I said, I think he was hired as a hatchet man. Yeah,
0: you knew he was going to get fired. I, he,
2: I, they all knew it from the beginning, man. None of it lines up. They knew it from the beginning. He came in to do the dirty work that nobody on the 40 Acres wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So they hired him to basically be an a-hole. Yeah, to and be the he's a, shield to take it He's a really, really all. good a-hole. And That's he'll he, take all the – He's, like, he, he's he, it's not, not a great sports mind. He's not a great athletic director. He's not, go, go look at his track record. He's never, ever oh, been man. successful well, he actually he, making this. He's one of those bobs from yeah. office space. He's down. hired as a hired – he's a hired hand, a mercenary, to come in and do the dirty work for Texas – and he did. That's he didn't even
1: do the dirty work right, though. Yeah, like, he, he be bo- they botched, you know, Max exit. Well, he's coming back, but he's not. But now he is, but no, now he's fired. Well, and yeah, then the whole cool. Rick Barnes I, thing. I, I didn't say he yeah. was good
2: at his job, but they hired him to do a job. Which <laughs> which
1: <laughs> means, thank you, you, you right, for he clarifying. Was not good at. Thank, good you, thank he was you for not clarifying. Good at. He, he needed to
0: do a lot of unpopular things, even though if the masses wanted there were hard things to do, getting rid of legends or moving on A lot of things.
2: A lot of the policies he's put in place, they have not removed. They're still there. They haven't went back on a lot of things. Does that include
1: the uh, the blended six percent increase <laughs> on the, on, the, the on a lot of things indicates. he
2: did? I know that for a fact he had, they hadn't removed him, but C D C is so I mean he's so brilliant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in terms of public relations and media relations that I mean, he's he, he he saves the day for everybody. And Mike Perrin, give him props too, he did a great
1: job after. Stabilized the CDC. it. Yes. And, and that was the thing, you know, you hear yeah. about Crystal County raising raising exactly. most of the like money. Yeah. Raising most of the money for this facility by, you know, reaching out to the Moncrief family and the Myers family and all these families that yeah. have given money to Texas over the years. buildings. Yeah, and, and getting getting the money. and But getting to interact with Chris Del Conte at that deal, getting to interact with Greg Fenvis, and Tom Herman was available for a brief time because he had, you know, recruits he was hosting during the weekend. This is the first time in a long time, Rod, where I felt like, you know, specifically relating to the football program. Like this thing on all levels is headed in the right direction. Like This is this is on a championship trajectory, and I don't say that for lightly. For football. Yeah, I don't yeah, say yeah. that lightly um, because everybody has the same. <laughs> everybody ha- And I know Tom Herman uses that word alignment. I know people don't like hearing it, but Crystal Conte, Greg Fenvis, and Tom Herman all have the same vision for what they want to do, and they're all, to use the old parlance, they're all steering the boat in the right direction. Yep, I agree. Um, I'm with you 100%. It almost
2: reminds me of once you did get everything aligned with, you know, Mac Brown, Bill Powers, and DeLoss Dodds, Chris Plonsky. I mean, and uh, Tom Herman's the one, and I don't know if, he, I'm sure he's not the one who said it. He got it from somebody else that, you know, um, you know that, like, that, that, you know, programs overall, the program administrations, administrations yeah. win championships. You know, I mean, it's not just, and when we say program, yeah, you talk about the players on the field and the coaching staff. But then you go much deeper than that. We're talking about equipment, the equipment guy, and deeper than that, and even, you know, your uh, your AD and, your, you know, the administration and all those people, They the people that's in compliance and everybody. Everybody's yeah. got to be thinking on the same page because any disruption can cause almost this reverberating, cascading effect yeah. all throughout the administration, you know what I mean? Back especially in, at a place like this. Especially at a place like Texas, and um, we've seen that. So, yeah, I agree. That's what Mac Brown knew. He, he, he said the BBs in a box, but it's the same thing. Right. Alignment is what's t- t- Alignment, alignment, alignment. Mac Brown would say, I got to get the BBs back in the box. Yep. And the BBs in the box. That was his thing. So, I mean, it, it's still the same visual. They're, they're politicians to a certain extent, so they got to sell it to us. Get, get a vision. Alignment yeah. is telling Murray, he's like, alignment. I need alignment. And we say, okay, alignment means he's got to have everybody on the same page. You think of alignment, you think straight. You think, all right, so everybody is, it's corresponding. Everything is right where it's supposed to be. And that's his way of saying, hey, everybody's on the same page. And Mac Brown's way of saying it was, we got the BBs in the box. And, and, and we all remember that, too. It's mm-hmm. almost like a campaign slogan, right? Make America Great Again. You remember it when it's good and it works. It almost, it fits perfectly. It's like, Hope. oh, damn. Oh, yeah, 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 right? Hope and change. Like, you know it. Like, oh, that, okay, there it is. Um, So I think for Tom Herman, he he understands what it's all about. Mac explained it to him. He's was like, hey, man, don't use my slogan, all right? But find your brand own. Brand it. You know what I mean? But brand it. Keep saying it. And then people will understand what you what you mean and what you want. Based
1: on what you just said, why do I feel like the next thing we're going to see somebody's going to like put Tom Herman's face on the Barack Obama poster, where instead of hope it says alignment? Yeah, <laughs> it, you know? it is. It's like, you know? All right, we want more alignment. You know what I mean? But but he used that to justify I want to keep the coaching staff
2: where yeah. it is. I you know what I mean? Like c- consistency, alignment, stability. All these things they they come to mind when you play like the word game with alignment right. and. You know, he's a Mensa guy, so he understands that. And Mac Brown was a brilliant, you know, political strategist, so he understood BBs in a box. We would all get it. Hell, and he was in Texas, like, guns, BB, BBs in a box. People love the guns. It's like, BBs in a box. He, it's like, like, oh, quoting yeah. old Daryl Royal, yeah. too. Yeah, Bringing yeah. you back in the legend, <laughs> yeah. making you feel no, comfortable. Mean,
0: That's why I would like to see, like, you know, I you like said to have stuff. the alignment yeah. photo and yeah. of yeah. Herman.
1: What was Charlie Strong's? Charlie Strong have one? No. Nope. Put the T. We can put the T back in Texas. Put the T back in Texas. That mm-hmm. was his.
2: Yeah, I know. It didn't. Yeah, it'd it'd be, be funny if I, yeah, honestly, I didn't Trump. remember that. that, didn't, that didn't, I didn't either. You didn't. know what I mean? Like, what was Hillary Clinton's slogan?
0: I don't remember. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't tell
1: you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, couldn't tell
2: you. You don't remember the losers. No, nope. I mean, you don't. Know, you remember what their slogan was? Like you asked, uh, you you remember how uh, Barack Obama, Hope and Change? You remember the losers? I don't what remember. Was, like what John was John I, I don't remember. remember
1: Bob Dole, Bob well, Dole, I mean, yeah, yeah.
2: you know what I mean? Like that's so That's part of it, though. That's part of the message you're selling. Well, because if you're you successful, a good, yeah, you're memorable. you know what I mean. Yeah,
0: you know, know, and it'd be funny to see if there's like a photo of Mac right now putting BBs in the box for North Carolina. Like, I would I like re- to listen to his press conferences and see if he said that to them. He's a he political needs to do that cartoonist. That's oh, what yes. somebody
2: could like show Mac like putting the BBs back in the box. that be pretty good. I think all of this is goes back to, and I'll say it, I think it goes back to the Texas Cold War. You know, what I mean, I think it's kind of them. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, all that goes back to them trying to win this state. Uh, that's why the the the, the, the facilities battle is an arms race, man. Like. You know, A and arguably has better facilities in Texas. Like that, you know, like. So you're talking about that Texas Cold War. They're That's the something Russians. they can brag about. There, are like four or five main. Comp- uh, components and factors to the Texas Cold War. Recruiting is number one. Um, and then, you know, facilities is a part of that, too. Hell yeah, you got to win games to have the most wins. Obviously. Um, but then, you know, draft is a big part of that. That's, mm-hmm. why, that's why Texas got to get back to getting guys drafted really high. I know it sounds like, well, what if they're winning games? That doesn't matter. Like, no, it does. There's a correlation there. There's a correlation because the Aggies will will brag about having more draft picks and they will say yes, and it will affect recruiting because they're like, well, man, they, they, they recruit well, but then what happens to those guys when they get to Texas, all right, they underachieve, which is what a, a five-star receiver from Austin actually said about Texas. Mm-hmm. I don't like when guys go to Texas because they underachieve. So you gotta win that battle too. You can't, it's like it's like it's it is the it is the Cold War. You can't allow them to win one thing because if they win one thing, that little bit of shred, you know what I mean? That is the that is the one thread that could unravel the whole damn thing. So you gotta have more wins than AM, all right? And you gotta have better facilities than AM. And you got to have a better recruiting class than him. And you got to have more draft picks. You know what I mean? It sounds like, oh, that's ridiculous. Like, no, 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 no. Those are the things that Mac Brown did to win a national title. You want to go all the way back to it. You know what I mean? Like, That's what you got to do in this state specifically. It, in this state it's different than any other state and right. I,
0: it reminds me of how we've been talking about a defense and it's like yeah you can have a good defense but if there's one glaring hole you're only as good as your best bad matchup and in this situation it's like okay well if you give them one piece of ammunition to one use piece, against man. you then they there's it. something to be used against you in the battle between go, it go look especially in the modern recruiting you used to have the unwritten rules and no negative recruits like that stuff's out the window yeah. if you give them one thing it's going to be used against you and then if you can it, brand it well on social media Media and make it you can talk it almost into a reality even if it's a perception is somehow now became that reality instead of actually being based on the facts. so you don't want to give them something to then mold the perception around it
2: yeah no because it, 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 and it's a great point because I remember looking at the Twitter account of a after the draft and they said they, they, they bragged about a lot of things they bragged about having seven draft picks but I think was the most they've had in history mm-hmm. they bragged about that, that being the second most in the SEC all those things being Uh, understandable and that makes sense and they also bragged about having the most draft picks in the state of texas and what do you think that that's a shot man that's -hmm. that's what you do you know what i mean and overall this i'll tell you who's hovering over all this is texas cold war on and on the back burner there's always a nation on the outside looking all right who's gonna win this thing Mm because i'm taking over game of thrones style is oklahoma because oklahoma needs this state
1: yeah, they have <laughs> so lost also, more ground than anybody. Yeah,
2: like they, they need this state too. That's why you know I mean they that that's what that's their lifeblood as well. And Texas has to worry about you know that perception war against Oklahoma and win that too. There's a lot at stake here, and I think that fa- that facilities upgrade uh, the South End Zone. You know, it's just to me, it's just a, a kind of a small layer. But if you dig a little deeper, you can see it, man. It's all there because it's all this is this is unprecedented territory in a lot of respects for Texas and for yeah. athletics in Texas, too, in terms of looking at AM and that Texas Cold War, but also Oklahoma. They've had two Heisman Trophy-winning number 1 overall draft picks. From
0: Texas. From Texas. And they still are losing ground somehow. <laughs> From They're coming here to get their quarterbacks. And they're still losing ground, so they're panicking. They're like, no, no,
1: no, no. And let's gotta- not forget the other part of that that Texas fans somehow neglect to forget when they talk about Oklahoma. Oklahoma's won more Big 12 titles in the last four years than you've won ever yes. as a program.
2: And don't even need a, 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 a really a consistent quarterback to do it. They've done it with what seven different quarterbacks. I I with one more
1: than seven, they, the rest eight of different quarterbacks. Nate Hibble won them a Big Twelve title. <laughs> no, Paul Thompson won, won them a Big rest Twelve of the title. The conference
0: yeah. combined. It's insane. Damn. Yeah. yeah that, that, see. And there you
2: go. So I think there's a lot going on here, man. There's a lot that yeah. that, that upgrade. That's I don't know if Tom Herman's in that office. Where he's like, hey, man, we need it. I know you got a lot to worry about, but this football is what needs to be the top priority. Like, we got to upgrade these facilities right now yeah. because everybody else That's is going
1: what I, To tie all that in together, right, Chris Del Conte said something in that press conference Saturday that stuck with me. And he was talking about, you know, the Moncrief Complex itself was built for Daryl Royal. And mm-hmm. the major overhaul it got was while John Makovic was a coach. And Mac did some things to renovate it up until now where Tom Herman redid the weight room and, you know, we're going to see this massive renovation. But he said, you know, we talk about, and I'm paraphrasing here. He said, we talk about Texas wanting the best, deserving the best, but you look at the history of just this building where we really committed to winning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that dose of reality really hits home for a lot of Texas fans. And you say, you know, when you look at, what TCU put into their facilities and what Baylor did, and even what what Iowa State's done, what Oklahoma State's done, what even Kansas on the football side has done. yeah, Because I know Kansas went in and said, look, we're not going to have a stadium as nice as Oklahoma or Texas, but we can have facilities on par with what they do. And you look at where Texas stood in the conference. Yeah, you really have to ask yourself, really in that era where it started to fall off and it's more – complex and more nuanced than this, but yes, it is. had it not been for Colt McCoy and Will Muschamp, the downfall probably happens earlier mm-hmm. than 2010. Yeah. But you start looking where everybody, like I said, was just kind of resting on their laurels, were you really committed to winning or just as long as you were finishing number one in the bank every year, was that just kind of good enough?
2: Remember with Mac Brown though, and this I said this is like you you were very astute in your point that it's so nuanced. So it's not just one thing you can point out. It's almost like a geopolitical discussion where Mac Brown was against the arms race. Mm-hmm. You know, he said it for years, and we didn't really pay attention to him, but he said, I don't want this to become a thing where you know, only the haves, um, they go all in, and they you know, can boost their support staff and go all in their facilities, and then the have-nots are left out in the cold, and they got no shot at all. He, does, he didn't want to widen that gap. I think he was fighting a losing fight. I think he was fighting, you know, what I mean, it was it was futile, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It didn't really matter. I was like, "Mac, this is this is the way it's going." I think Mac was trying to he was trying to help out the the have-nots a little bit more, but I remember him several times stating that that he wasn't about that and he was he was actually on board for a snitching on Fellow coaches who were cheating yeah. to try to, you know, what I mean, to to try to upgrade and try to uh try to, you know, try to skirt the rules and try to find some way around the NCAA rules in, in recruiting and stuff like that. So Mac, I don't know. I, I mean, I think he had a he had a just cause, but. You couldn't fight that, but that hurt Texas. Is my point. Because His while stands he, hurt Texas because right. he didn't want Texas to try to. They, Texas should have been ahead of Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and Ohio State in building support staff. Hell, everybody wants to live in Austin. You're talking about mm-hmm. the, the the arguably the most popular city in the country. You're talking about you know what I mean where. Uh, I think it's the fastest growing city in like the country. Every
0: year since like ninety nine, years. everybody
2: wants to live here because they got a tech boom, they got a movie boom, they got a music culture, they got a food culture, everything. And Mac, he would use that in recruiting, but use wouldn't use that in recruiting of student athletes, but wouldn't use that in recruiting of coaches and support staff. And it's like Mac, they all want to come to Texas, man. And he fought against that almost, almost subconsciously. And while he was bit. fighting it against, Texas. while
1: he was fighting against it, do you know what happened? Everybody the have-nots said screw it, and they became the halves. Yeah. Well, and Oklahoma then, State boom pick and said, you know what? Screw it. We'll just dump all kinds of money into our facilities. Oklahoma State wins a Big 12 title. Baylor has as many Big 12 titles in the last 20 years as Texas does. Yeah. Well, hell, if you look at Big 12 titles, you have
0: 12 with Oklahoma. The rest of the Big 12 conference has eight. Like, that's what's left. If you want to count in Nebraska, Colorado, and A&M, it's 12-12. to 12.
1: But to Rod's point, Oklahoma o- has 12 yeah. Big 12 titles? Oklahoma. yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, that's what, what I'm saying. They have more than the rest tw- of I the conference was, combined. I don't think it
2: was 12? Dude. No,
0: it can't be that many. Uh, well, I mean, here's the list. 2000, 2002, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 15, 16, 17, 18. That's not 12. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, Either way, it's more than the entire conference. This adding thing no, right. may be yeah, off. It's more, it's more than every other school no, in the you're conference. No, right, right. no, no.
2: Sorry, your, your no, math is right. You're a better man.
1: My mind is blown is right. why I can't
2: believe it. That's, that's why what, I
1: call it. Rod, that's why when, whenever like – That's why. And it's, I'm not, not, it's not you. Man, no, I'm not going to discount your Texas Cold War argument, but this is my point to Texas fans. While wow. you're concerned about bickering with the Aggies, the Sooners are dominating this conference. Oh, I understand that. No, I understand that. I'm just saying that I'm saying that you got multiple threats. You're America. Yeah, you, you, you have multiple threats coming at you. Yeah. Like they, so they, don't be concerned with yeah, the one yeah, in yeah, College Station because the one in Norman is probably more more important to your immediate success.
2: But like America, you must be able to defend yourself on multiple fronts. Right. You're supposed to be that big. You're supposed to be that influential, that impactful as a brand. You got to defend the northern front against Oklahoma. And you got to defend your, uh, what's the, your your Eastern Front with, uh, with you know, with AM and m SEC. The, A&M, exactly, because AM has now opened the door to the SEC. Because they're like, they are in Texas. Yeah. We don't care if Yeah, they're like the Al-Qaeda. Qaeda. They've opened you up to a whole lot of other stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They, they, they're not even a state. You don't know what the hell's going on with it. You know what I mean? Like, they just opened you up to a whole well, lot gonna of we are going to get, get them, random, we're going to
0: take them away from <laughs> Texas.
2: A, I apologize. I should not. <laughs> yeah, Aggies. <laughs> yeah. Quote Rod, Rod down Babers. Down. Bottom line, run but places, but you, get my, right? you get my point in yeah. my analogy. Uh, I yeah. I'm going they're very commies. too far. I'm going way too far. <laughs> no, but you get my point. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you got to defend both of them. And both of them are coming at you. Like, they're both of them, their number one objectives is you. Yeah. And like you got to figure out, now I gotta divide my resources to be defend myself against both because tech, tech ZM is here in the state. They are in within your boundary. They are already here within your borders. There's nothing you can do about it. So how do you defend his that? That's, that's that CIA stuff. That's that that's that uh, that's that covert, clandestine stuff you gotta do. All right, that's mm-hmm. secret agent stuff going on within your population to police your own because they're within your own. They're, they're Aggies, all yeah. right. And then there's Oklahoma, who's clearly on the outside. Yeah, all right? they're, twer- they're on the outside. And here's, you here's know what, what they are, but they but they but they also need Texas.
1: Here's what's different about to Tom. Eat Her- themselves. Right. You know here's, what I mean. Here's what's different about Tom Herman and a lot of guys on the staff too. Tom Herman, a lot of those guys that he's got in his program right now on his coaching staff, a lot of those guys were in the foxhole with Urban Meyer when Ohio State won that national title in twenty fourteen. So they've known what it's been like to be see the cutthroat guy operating, yeah, trying to cause Ohio State's another one of those programs. You got to worry about Michigan, and you have got to recruit against Notre Dame, and yeah. you got to worry about Penn State, yeah. and you got to take care of everything at home and abroad. And, and they've turned well, around. A hold big power. on, just just a minute. Hold I agree on. with that. Yeah, and, and a fertile recruiting. Base. And and they've seen what it takes to from a cutthroat standpoint. You have got to be able to handle it from all fronts on recruiting facilities, everything, and when push comes to shove, you got to be able to say, Do we have the staff power, the person, the personnel on the field? And the ability, scheme wise, to go head to head and beat Nick Saban in a national semifinal when it counts, yeah, with a national title in mind. That's to think about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. but Tom, Tom Herman. So Tom Herman's been with Matt Brown to see how it works at Texas and how it was built at Texas. He's been with Urban Meyer to see, okay, this is college football today, in the late 2010s, going into the 2020s what it takes to win in college football. So I think Tom Herman is just looking at it and saying, "No, this this is what Texas has needed for a long time that hasn't been in place. Yeah. These are the type of guys we're going to go recruit. This is the type of personnel we need. This is the type of support staff we need. These are the yeah. kind of guys I want to assemble on my coaching staff. These are the kind of facilities we need. And it goes beyond, right, it goes beyond just Oklahoma and A&M. If you want to compete with Clemson, with Alabama, with Ohio State, this is the type of stuff you need. And credit to Chris Del Conte and Greg Finvis They've put the green light on everything Tom Herman's asked for so far.
2: No, I totally agree. But you got to beat the most immediate threat first. I get and it. Oklahoma yeah. is your most immediate threat within your conference, and is your most immediate threat within your state. So when I mean, you got to win the recruiting battle in the state, right? And then you got to win no your conference. You know what I mean? And the thing about the thing is, uh, you know, to keep the I guess the military analogies going, what it takes to win one battle against Oklahoma, to go back to your point, is not what it's going to take to win the battle against Clemson. In Ohio State or Alabama, yeah. So you gotta have you gotta have your resources. To, you gotta spend tons of money on defense, mm-hmm. right? And national, you gotta spend tons of money on your military to make sure that you can defend yourself on multiple fronts, and you can win the battle against Oklahoma, which is gonna be a different battle altogether than the battle you're gonna have against. A Clemson or an Ohio State or Obama, like it's going to be totally different. It's like Game of Thrones, right? The battle of Winterfell, the battle against the dead, is going to be a totally different battle than the battle you're going to have against Cersei. Sorry if y'all don't know about that, but you, you know, people get spoiler, alert. Now yeah, spoiler that, that, alert. that's good interjection <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. of pop culture. Different battles, radio 101, take different tactics, different everything, all you know, right? Different personnel, whatever. So, I think, and you, and you pointed out several times to win the Big 12 is great. But that strategy, whatever it took to win the Big 12, that's not the same strategy you're gonna to have to be able to use in personnel, even to, to beat Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and those other teams. And One other good
0: thing about it now, though, is the way the system has changed in favors the halves. The way Texas is before, you had to either you know get lucky pre bowl alliance and have everything go in, or have just two teams. But now, if you're Texas or Oklahoma, and you've seen well, Oklahoma is living up to their standard at this point. Well, that means that Texas is there. The winner's going to end up getting... An immediate shot as one of those four in. You got that Abort. path to get in. That it doesn't now. You once you get in, then it becomes that battle that you're speaking about. That then you have to actually be yeah, able but to beat win those. the most immediate. But you battle. used to didn't. You used yeah. to not have an avenue directly to that the way that you do now in Texas. Just being in the school, one of the blue bloods. It's like you're a area of privilege and you're able to go if you take care of your business. You have the opportunity every year to be there. And <laughs>
2: Jeff's point though. You got to be obsessed with Oklahoma too. And it, it, it now should match any obsession to win the state, which it's like every time Texas has been the best team in the state of Texas, go back and look. They're usually in the national championship discussion. This year, they were the best team in the state of Texas, and he went to the Sugar Bowl. All
1: right.
2: Like it's usually really good things to be the good. I remember Mac Brown's why he was like, ah, right, we got to win the state, win the state yep. title. That's got to be big because that's how big football is in the state. But to Jeff's point, it means you beat OU. You got to beat Oklahoma twice now. Yeah. <laughs> it. Back in the day, it was just once, and it was like, "Ooh!" But if you right, beat them first, the you might done. get lucky. And now you gotta do it twice. Normally, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so, to get to the big dance, that now I think ups the obsession level with Oklahoma. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, we definitely gotta figure this out because we can't even. Ad- even if you you lose to them in the oh, you know, to the in the Red River Showdown, and then you Make win really the Big Twelve title. That's not good enough because then you're probably not gonna make it to the college football playoff. It'll be really tough that way. You probably got to beat them twice, to really, you know, what I mean solidify your either chance way you gotta beat to him. play for the big. Yeah, you got. Either way, you got to beat them. I think you got to beat them twice though. I think that's the new rule. Well, for
0: sure, that'll get you in for sure.
2: That's why, yeah. And you gotta, you gotta be able to prepare for that to beat them
1: twice. Yeah. That's that's, hard to do. That's why I think any Oklahoma fan who looks at Texas objectively, and I understand there's Oklahoma homers in in the media and abroad that aren't going to look at Texas objectively. I think any Oklahoma fan looking at this objectively from a realistic standpoint should be saying about Texas, are you guys ready to to, to sit at the head of the table now? Because for Oklahoma, if Texas is that program, it legitimizes this conference. It legitimizes your conference titles. Right? let's face it. There's some years later where Oklahoma's won a conference where – You really didn't have, there was no elite number two team where they've had to go beat. Uh, mm-hmm. I agree with you, but
2: that's the beauty of Oklahoma. If there's like if there's nobody that's going to take the Iron Throne, we got it. We'll take it, yeah. and that's what yeah. Texas we'll wants it. to be. Texas we'll thinks it. they're that, and but we that's have te- that. exactly. To answer what that's what Texas should Texas should be doing. That when there's nobody to take the Iron Throne, it should automatically go to Texas. It doesn't. And, and it was
0: when Stoops came. I mean, you look the first four championships in the Big Twelve were Texas, Nebraska, A and M, Nebraska. Since 2012, of the 19
1: have been Oklahoma. One of those was a co-championship with K-State. I'll throw, yeah. throw that in there. Yeah. That is, yeah. Matt, that is, point, yeah that's still, 2012. Still stands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But as we talk about the South End Zone project breaking ground, which it'll be completed by the time the 2021 season starts, Rod, right, think back in your head when you ever thought, you know, the 2021 season would be on the horizon in <laughs> the not-too-distant future. Yeah. Um, which actually is crazy. It sounds the 2021 season, it'll be the 20th anniversary year of – Year 2001 season where probably uh, should have been a Big 12 championship season.
2: Yeah, uh, 2001 and 2 should have been Big 12 titles. We were good enough. Yeah. We, yeah, anyway.
1: And, uh, but anyway, I I started thinking about 2001 and all those bad memories came through. I know.
2: Sorry, so. that's what I said. I don't want anyone to bog down yeah, the show. Like bad but bad memories, no. yeah,
1: Texas But like, oh, as, as, as Texas starts to build this facility and you look at the 2019 season, what's right ahead of us, and there will be the construction in the background when mm-hmm. LSU comes in and, mm-hmm. and whatever, but you start looking at this, and the Big 12 is getting back to that point. Where I think you look at the Big 12, Rod, as we sit here several months out, and you can realistically say, I think it's Texas and Oklahoma, and then you can just kind of pick your number three, four, five, and so on. I agree with I'm that. not sure that it really matters. That's how it was, either. like pre-08. Yeah.
2: I think that's what the Big 12 wants, too. That's what the Big 12 needs. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> wants and needs. Yeah. Like I said, Oklahoma's Oklahoma's hoping Texas is ready to sit at the head of the table because it'll legitimize this conference, and there will be no question at that point, that the Big 12 champion in the current playoff format Goes deserves in. a shot in the okay. CFP. So we're like, if, if that number two contender is a legitimate, yeah, contender. let
2: the two blue bloods basically just uh you know keep the uh, the conference legitimized, yeah, yep. which is what that would happen. That's yeah, I agree with you. The reason it's delegitimized is because of Texas. It's our fault, right? right. And it's the and same Oklahoma way. The, is, Oklahoma's fault. Mm-hmm. They've, they've been keeping their up the their end of the bargain. The reason the Big 12 has lost respect because of Texas. I know that they, they got bad leadership and all that, and they There's only got everybody else has came up. But exactly. Texas is the one. If Texas was up at this point where Oklahoma is, man, people would love the Big 12. Hell, the NFL loves the Big 12. Not
0: only are we to blame for that, but we then we're also to blame for legitimizing these other ones. Because at that yeah, point, that it naturally goes both ways whenever that yeah. occurs. That's
1: true. To, to your point, go back to 2014. I guarantee you and with all due respect to that Ohio State team I just bragged on a few minutes ago mm-hmm. if the debate is between Ohio State, Oklahoma and Texas instead of Ohio State, Oklahoma Ohio State TCU and Baylor I, oh yeah no question the big 12 i would bet dollars of donuts that that a big 12 team is getting in there
2: no i totally agree great point yeah it's not even it's not even a debate actually we, it's, don't even, we don't even have the debate it's done
1: it's real easy <laughs> to, to leave out tcu and baylor let's yeah. let's be honest sorry tcu and baylor fans who were listening to this it's They're real not easy to gloves. leave you out of it, that was proven it's easy to leave you out of the They're discussion yeah. but if it's ohio state oklahoma and texas the big 12 gets the not oh there's a there's a Healthy debate to be had. Yeah, it'd be funny to see the how
2: that would... I think the Big 12... One of those Big 12 teams would get it because the debate would come down to... Well, the Big 12 obviously has more of a, an argument because they're more competitive. They got two teams that we are competing for the spot. And yeah, I agree
0: fully with you, but if think about just... If you had, say, five years later, the culture of the Big 12 now with the way that football is going, maybe a little bit more respect than at the time when it was still just two gimmicky offenses doing that. Uh, and it
2: was, that's also a really good point. Not, now, yeah, you know what? The, bake, the Baker Mayfields and the like Patrick there's Mahomes. There's some legitimacy yeah, coming from it. performing at the NFL level. They wouldn't NFL be looked level. the same way, but they yeah. still probably be left out. No, no, Baylor no, but TCU. I agree with you. Yep. I think back then they were still, I don't even Getting know why. a little bit more to gimmicky. Yeah, I'm yeah, with that.
1: So, um, I want to table that discussion. We can dig into that the rest of the summer. But, Matt, what have we got? Probably about a half hour or so Better left thereabouts. thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rod, I want to dig into this because, I, I like I told you guys, I spent about the last week losing my damn mind doing research. And mm-hmm. I had about, over the weekend, with some food poisoning, so I got behind oh, a no. little bit. Oh, no. Um, but oh, last night, I bad. stayed up until, so until probably 3, 3.30 in the morning and got my research finished. Got it all mapped out. And basically what I did was I took the formula Matt started that he and I just kind of riffed off of a few years ago, talking about bust rates and who falls into the bust category, what players belong where. So, Rod, here's where I decided, man, this will be a really cool idea. And then about 10 minutes into the research, Mm -hmm. I wanted to put a fork through my eyeball. You're like, this is going to take me hours and days. (laughs) This took me days. Um, I decided, you know what, if I'm going to do this study right and track this the right way, I'm gonna start with the beginning of the Mac Brown era and track it wow. from '98 on,
2: pre internet, pre
1: internet recruiting. I don't even know how you do that, man. Man,
2: if you go to the library. Thank
1: my wife for not making me throw them out. Thank my dad for building up my collection. But those Dave Campbell's Texas footballs sitting on the shelf in my office paid off man. big time. There being able to go back, boom, beautiful thing. So I started tracking all this stuff, and I'm I, I'm glad I. Wanted to do it at a time because we had some recent retirements from some Longhorn legends who oh, yeah. decided officially to hang it up. Derek Johnson. Uh, Derek Johnson and Jamal Charles. Jamal I think finally known, gets that record. We've known for a while. And Brian Robinson. Uh, those guys have both been out of football for a while. I oh, think yeah. we knew Brian Robinson. it was done, but they, all three of those guys in the last two weeks have made it official that they're retired. All of them signed one-day contracts with uh, their respective franchises. And I know Jamal Charles had a – a little cup of coffee with the Broncos. You got a couple games with the Jaguars. The uh, Derek Johnson went to the Raiders for, you know, a little bit. But the he's the Chiefs' all-time leading tackler. Jamal Charles is the Chiefs' all-time leading rusher. Brian Robinson played, what, 11 years with the Vikings Some uh, crazy uh, as, as a, as like a that, franchise yeah. favorite in Minnesota. So I, I decided I wanted to take a look, Rod, and see really – what, what, what had me delving into the research was, honestly, what is the best recruiting class from the Mac Brown era on when you can really track recruiting classes? And I know there's a lot of old timers that follow Texas that will say the Wooster Bunch, that the Steve Wooster class that you know, contributed to those national titles in the Daryl Royal era. That class was the best class yeah, ever. But that's,
2: my, that's, that's pre-modern era. Yeah, that's yeah. hard. That's pre-scholarship scholarship limits. Yeah,
1: you've got uh, you know the '97 class is one of those classes that that stands up. That's a Quentin Jammer, Leonard Davis. Oh yeah, that was a good class. Major Applewhite yeah. class. But I wanted to track it from '98 on to see what is the best recruiting class ever. And Rod, the class Jamal Charles was a part of, pound for pound, I think is probably the best class Mac Brown ever signed. That the O5? On the percentage. That's a, the 2005 class. The mm-hmm. class yeah. And let me just lay out the percentage because I tweet I tweaked, I tweaked it a little it. bit. I tweaked the formula a little bit. So we've still got four categories that we put guys into. Put them in NFL caliber guys, which are guys draft picks. You made an active roster as an undrafted free agent. You hung around at least a year on a practice squad. You were officially listed on a franchise's ledger for a season as a practice squad member. Or you got multiple chances over multiple years to make an NFL roster, like Michael. You Hew- made a
0: living at playing in the NFL. <clears throat> like Michael Huey is the perfect
1: example of what I'm talking about. Like an NFL caliber player that you wouldn't think is an NFL caliber player. You realize over a six year period, Michael Huey got a crack with four different NFL teams. Yeah. That to me is an NFL caliber player. When, when an NFL franchise wants to keep bringing you most back. Of guys
2: said, uh, most of the teams are like, you know what? This guy's got something. He's got something. Yeah. And
1: Rod, I've, from your stories, that, that's hard to do over that it long is hard of a to period. Do. To keep getting that phone to call, keep, hey, why don't you yeah. come to camp? Yeah. He's
0: staying in that shape.
2: And, I agree. Yeah. That means they like what they saw in film and it means they like what they saw in terms of your, your measurables.
0: And you know it I mean? means like just from the simplest of terms, you made your living playing professional football for multiple years. And Michael so Huey, I think, NFL-er. had four, five
1: four, five, six years of, of really, you know, really high level arena league experience. And Rod, you tried your hand in the arena league. That's not an easy transition either.
2: I don't know any type of football I played was easy. I, even CFL wasn't easy to me and and arena football was actually harder than the CFL. New CFL rules. to me was easier than the arena football league. I'll say that. Cuz the condensed
1: field and just Yeah, the it just was just a strange world to
2: be in, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> as you put it, if going from the NFL to the CFL is going like from Hollywood to doing porn, what is going from the CFL to the arena league?
2: Uh, it's basically like okay. being a sex worker, yeah. You're a, You're a prostitute at yeah. that point. You just, yeah, I mean, wow. you're, you're not working the street. You probably gotta, you know, you maybe you're online uh, on some backspace <laughs> page. I don't know what like the hell on, it is. You're like a Craigslist, yeah, something. yeah. You're a Craigslist hooker or something like that. You know what I mean? Well, however, so, whatever, <laughs> all, all due respect to it, the dude, arena, people I know, yeah, all due respect to the people are, but you know, I don't know what the XFL is. That's a different thing now. We got to figure yeah, out what the XFL is, yeah right
1: we'll um, yeah. have to figure that out yeah.
2: uh but there's enough better than arena football league yeah wow. it's better than being a Hooker i would say xfl stripper. you're a stripper yeah xfl you're stripping you're just, yeah, because you just know, you not you could if you want to do yeah. some dirty stuff behind the scenes you could but have you not, seen do you see their
1: tv deal Yeah, like that might be a step up from the cfl that's awesome right. they've got a tv deal with like espn abc oh, and fox right.
2: okay so yeah well you know what i would say a stripper way, a stripper mean, to be is better than being a porn star I don't want you because you can, okay. at least you can, for, you can recover from being a stripper. I can, you know what I mean. But a porn star, I can't, I can't make you my wife. If you were a porn star, no, I, I can make you my wife. If you were a stripper. Like, we, you I, you can explain that away. I'd be like, ah, oh, she was, was a bad all six good. months. Me and you, you can still have my babies, girl. I love you. You're great. If you were a porn star, it's going to be really tough for me to actually be, make you the mother of my you, children.
1: You can't you can't unsee that. You can, exactly. Mm.
2: I, can't, yeah. I can't unsee that. Stripping, it's fine. Some dude grab your, your, grab your butt. Okay, it's all good. Grab your boot. It's no big deal. But I saw some stuff on porn. I can't <laughs> unsee You cannot be the mother of my children. Sorry. Okay. I'm done. Moving
1: so on. there was another category that I, that I cooked up for this research. It's called the DNC category, the do not count. Basically, when I do these percentages now, in a signing class, I'm not counting guys that either didn't qualify or within their first two years were medically disqualified for one reason or another.
2: So that's not even considered your bus.
1: Right. You those just aren't, are, like he those just guys. made that off to the See, side. okay, so and and it then that changes the, the bus rate That's completely. why you had to redo yeah. right. it all. Okay, good point. So the 2005 class, you had— Damn. You had— uh, Fifteen signees. Of those fifteen signees, forty-six point seven percent of them were NFL caliber players. Seven of them. Wow. F- how many? Forty-seven. Forty-six point seven percent. Wow. Let me go to my two thousand five list. That is crazy. Lamar Houston. Piscos, no, no, no. Two thousand five class. This is Colt McCoy, Roy Miller, Roderick Muckleroy, Henry Melton, Jamal Charles, Michael Finley, Quan Cosby. So
2: forty-six percent?
1: Seven of the seven, seven of the 15, of fifteen signees. Damn near half the class. Played in the NFL, wow! Not just on a, on a roster. Played in the NFL. Starting, so you
2: didn't have, you didn't break it down to drafted and undrafted.
1: Um, I did that, but that not for the that generalization. Category. I've got so if you, you want NFL to break it guys. down okay. of those of those seven, six of them were draft picks.
0: Which is, Forty-six awesome. of them were draft picks. Wow.
1: Three of those draft picks in the first three rounds. Nobody drafted after the fourth round. Wow. All within the first four rounds. Uh, your starting caliber players, which we used to call that a significant contributor, starting caliber player. You were a multiple year starter. Any Texas fan that's followed the program over the last twenty years should know who you are. Uh, Chris Hall, Aaron Rabbit. Lewis, Charlie Tanner, major major contributors. So three, was that three out of fifteen. Three, yeah, three. So basically, ten out of 15 percent, ten out of fifteen guys were out of and that signing class were made were high level contributors. Wow, the third. Uh, the third category is positive impact players. You made some form of a positive impact on the program. Maybe you weren't a complete bust, uh, but they got something out of the scholarship from you. Uh, and I those two guys in that class. Some starts on the field. Trevor Gerland and Ishiata Wigu were positive impact players. You you know contributed in some Ishi. way, shape, or form. You lettered multiple years, blah, blah, blah.
0: Special teamer or
1: something. Bust I had to redefine the bus category, right? And I told Matt this, and Matt put his stamp of approval on it, so we'll go with this for the bus rate. Two years or less in the program, if you're out in that time frame, you automatically go on the bus list. There's some guys who go on the bus list who maybe they made it to two years, but in the middle of year three, they went out of the program. Kennedy Estelle was one of those guys. Buck Burnett was one of those guys. Yeah, uh, just thinking about guys over the years. So basically, or so it's basically two years. Or less in the program, you transferred out, got kicked out, whatever. You're on the bus list, or if you look at the totality of it, you basically got nothing out of the scholarship. You didn't letter. You hardly played in games. Basically, it was almost a, pretty much a waste of a scholarship. You went on the bus list. Mm. This class produced three busts: Jarrell Wilkerson, Christopher Brown, Michael Houston. Okay. Yeah. And when you start looking at that's this,
2: not, yeah. So you, you, this is a kinder, uh, more acute diagnosis. But,
1: but that shows you if you have a bust rate over thirty percent with the with how I'm doing okay, it now, and now then you you are had a really major problem. Okay, yeah, we he
0: gotcha. basically filtered out because before it was just us looking. It's like oh, we had expectations for this five star guy and he didn't live up to. This it. was this
1: me and Matt just, just kind of spitballing stuff before. This is actually me trying to do research and really making it kind of dive scientific. into it. Um, and actually, you can you can make that bus percentage for two thousand five higher because if somebody was looking at this and wanted to put Trevor Garland on the bus list, I wouldn't necessarily dispute that. Yeah, but you start well, looking at that. right. It's, it's, it's a kinder. It's a kinder. So, like evaluation. I said, forty six point seven percent of your signings went on to be NFL players. That's the highest percentage of any recruiting class from ninety eight on. Uh, then you start looking at the win record, the most wins of any recruiting class uh, from ninety eight on in a five year period. They had a fifty eight and eight record. 4 and 1 in bowl games, 2 and 1 in BCS games, 5 top 25 finishes, 4 top 10 finishes, 3 top 5 finishes. This uh, this class contributed to two conference championships, a national championship in 05, a Fiesta Bowl and a Fiesta Bowl appearance in 08, and that was a one-loss season where you probably should have played for the Big 12 championship and would have won it, Got uh, screwed. and then contributed to the BCS Championship game appearance in 09 so would you is is this the question is it better than o2 i think it is pound for pound the best class in the mac brown the best class in in the so from you setting 2 Pound for pound, yes, I think so.
0: Not the volume, though. It's just, it's sort of like what we talked nah, about nah, yards
2: nah. per carry. Give me the O2 or... numbers. Give me the O2 numbers. Is it not, a, is it a sports debates are <laughs> okay. about? I want to know. Give me so the
1: O2 I'll numbers. So I'll give you the O2 numbers. Okay. Give me the 0 numbers. So the O2.
2: This, yeah, these are the two classes that were basically it comes down to. So the O5, class had,
1: fi- the O5 class had 15 signees, all 15 guys qualified for my research. Okay. Uh, the O2 class had 27 signees, 25 qualified. I threw out Aaron Ross. Because he did sign, but uh, with that class, but did not qualify. Yeah, Aaron Ross
2: signed with like four classes.
1: Aaron Ross contributed. You can <laughs> put him on three different <laughs> right. classes. Literally, I put him on. I put him <laughs> on 03 because that was when he yeah, actually yeah, yeah, yeah. as a true freshman made yeah. his debut. Oh, uh, and I threw up Marquise Johnson, who had a car wreck and grades and didn't qualify. So twenty five qualifying signees. Okay. Uh, you had. And let me go to my research here. I got to flip around. You had eight NFL caliber players. From this class, the 2002 class, produced six total draft picks. Vince Young was a first-round pick, Justin Blaylock in the second, David Thomas in the third, Brian Robinson in the fourth, Casey Studdard in the sixth, Rod Wright in the seventh, and then Selvin Young and Lyle Sunline caught on in the league as undrafted free agents. Uh, So that, Rod, is a 32% NFL hit rate. Uh, Starting caliber players: Aaron Harris, Larry Dibbles, Neil Tweedy. Positive impact players: Matt Milton, Garnett Smith, Tully Jansen, Brett Valdez, Marcus Myers, Brian Pickrell, Albert Hardy. Busts: There were how
2: many is that for your for your positive impact? Positive impact: Seven
1: starting calibers, three. Okay. Right. Uh, and then busts, seven, you had Marco Martin, Adoria McCullough, Robert Timmons, Michael Williams, yeah, Chase Pittman, Dustin Mitch. But higher bust rate than I thought. Yeah, yeah. seven busts on there? hmm Higher bust rate than I thought. Yeah. So there Top are the numbers. Let good. me give you the rest of the numbers for 2002. So 32% NFL hit rate, 12% starting caliber players, 28% guys made a positive impact in some way, shape, or form, 28% bust rate, five-year record. bowl games 4-1, 2-0 in BCS games, five top 25 finishes, three top 10s, two top 5s contributed to the 04 Rose Bowl and the 05 National Championship season, one conference championship and two division titles.
0: Yeah, if you look at that class, almost reminds me of exactly what you see in the parabolic curve where you have both ends of the spectrum. You have the very t- good top end, but also the busts, and it's a volume-filled class compared to the other one where it just seemed that you hit. You had a small amount. You could only offer a certain amount, and you hit on them, which is exactly what you needed then, too.
1: So, Rod, the, what, what this list now, is— I'll
2: give you, it is a better class, but it's a good debate.
1: But it's but you with, <laughs> when two thousand two you're still looking and at one right answer. Well, you
2: got Vince Young. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So there, I mean, well, you could have my, both uh, ones. This is my thing. This is my thing, though. And I'll always say this: Boom. Colt McCoy is right up there with Vince, in my opinion. Yep. He just didn't win the national title. Yep. You know what I mean? Because like, Vince didn't win the Heisman. If he'd have won the Heisman, it would be different. That's why always say that didn't... Sam can catch both of them. Like the reason that Sam can catch both is because honestly, the Vince Vince to Colt like drop off, like the the the, the distance between Vince and well, Colt surprisingly- and goatness, <laughs> it ain't it ain't that far if you talk to most Longhorn fans because no. if they watch them they're like, I ah, man, you, you. But we all agree Cole was underappreciated, and if Sam just hell and Sam can win a Heisman basically he's uh, and we all agree he's only going to win a Heisman if Texas plays in like a national title game yep. yeah yeah he wins a Heisman. Hell, he's probably gonna
0: be as decorated. He's gonna be as like,
2: like KD and like be on the express lane past LeBron and be on the express lane past Vy and Colt. Yeah, and I know that sounds crazy, but it could happen. Yeah, you know what I mean.
1: Now, Rod, because Colt is. technically got
0: the ring <laughs> with five.
2: No Dude, Colt, Colt does technically have it, but.
0: Yeah, it's B- like Garrett B-Y
2: Gilbert's B-Y ring no, no, no. with the B-Y- Patriots. V.Y. won it against well, arguably one of the greatest no, no, yeah. teams in the history of college football. The way just he like, won like it. Tom
0: Brady won the one, but Garrett Gilbert has a ring.
2: Yeah, so V.Y. Yeah. gets that prop. I'm just saying, Colt, Colt, man, I love me some Colt. That's all.
1: In in my <laughs> research though, Rod, there is a new contender, and I think a worthy contender. Let me see, is there one <laughs> or two contenders? Oh, there, no, are two, uh, there, there are two. There are two two worthy contenders that are in the conversation for the best recruiting class from '98 on. And no, well. on let me campus. give you the numbers. No. Go give you the numbers, okay? It's two thousand three, okay? Eighteen signees, and one enrollee. So you count. This is the class Aaron Ross counts towards,
0: and this is the type of class that's more of a filled out one, but maybe not the top end like we were just speaking. Well, let
1: me let me run this down, Matt. See if we rephrase on on top end. Yeah. seven NFL caliber players. Aaron Ross, first-round pick. Michael Griffin, first-round pick. Tim Crowder, second-round pick. Lima Swede, second-round pick. Tony Hills, fourth-round pick. Terrell Brown, fifth-round pick. P- f- hey, fifth-round fifth fifth round pick. Round pick.
2: Do you not like Terrell <laughs> Brown? Why are you calling him that?
1: Sorry, Terrell. <laughs> of the time. Fifth-round pick. I want you to mark that, Matt, so you can oh, play that. that. You can play that back whenever I give you crap for so your good. Caleb Blue really at Sun Ridgeway. Uh, <laughs> and then Brent. And then Brandon Foster is an undrafted free agent. So seven Check NFL guys. caliber players out of nineteen. Your starting caliber players. Uh, you had four: Robert Killebrew, Scott Derry, Billy Pittman, Dallas Griffin. Scott Derry. Your. Let me see if I got this number right. I think that's three the positive play, impact play, players. Yeah. Eric Jackson, Thomas Marshall, Tyrell Gatewood. And your busts, you had five. Steve Richardson, one of my favorites who never made it. Eric Hardiman, uh, Kyle Thornton, Stephen Hogan, Eric Foreman. Who Eric Foreman famously started the 04 camp as a first team linebacker yep. and wanted to switch to quarterback. And Mac told him, You do realize, son, you're going from being the starter at one position to the fourth-string guy at another. And he said, yes, coach, I understand that. That was yeah. when,
0: like, the disappearing defensive ends. I remember being so excited for, like, a guy like Garnett Smith or a guy for, like, Eric Foreman that they were going to oh, be Oh, Michael guy. Williams, Matt, there in the 2002 class. Michael 100%. Williams was that guy. Michael
1: yep. Williams had NFL talent as a defensive end. No mm-hmm. question. No question he did. Mm, yeah, those some guys who disappeared. Yeah. Recruiting classes, so mean. Rod, let me run down. Now that you've got the names, let me run down the numbers for 2003. Your NFL hit rate 36.8 percent. Your starting caliber player rate 21.1 percent. Positive impact 15.8 percent. 26.3 percent on the bust rate. Five year record 54 and 10 bowl games. Four and one, two and zero in BCS games. As the 2002 class, five top 25 finishes. Three top, three top tens, two top fives, one conference title, the 04 Rose Bowl, and the 05 national title. Now let me go to 2004, which is the other contender. And this was a sneaky good class once I did the numbers. 2004, you had 19 signees, all of them qualified. And Matt, in the research, I'm glad I did it because I missed an NFL-caliber player in this class. Oh, yeah? Brian Arakpo, first-round pick. Jordan mm-hmm. Shipley. Now, Rob, we talk about Vince Young, yeah. talk about Colt McCoy. you got a recruiting class with Jordan Shipley, the greatest receiver in school history. That's something, not yeah. something to sneeze at. So, Brian Arakpo, first-round pick. Jordan Shipley, third-round pick. Frank Ocam in the fifth. Chris Obanaya in the seventh. Nate Jones as an undrafted free agent. And Derek Loki spent two years to Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, yeah. So Derek Loki was an NFL-caliber player. Good D-tackle. So he played Rod-
0: fullback sometimes. He was a lead blocker. Yeah,
1: so, your starting caliber players, you had six of them. Cedric Dockery, Rashad Bobineau. Here's the catch with 2004. Oh, I put Ramon Taylor in the starting caliber player category because you can make the argument Texas probably doesn't win a national championship without him on the roster. I'd say he's an no NFL lone guy. Lone
0: it fan out
1: And here's maybe a more controversial pick to put in the upper echelon. The same goes for Drew Kelson. Because if you look at Drew Kelson's numbers – They're not that impressive. He had the most
0: impactful Rose Bowl on defense of almost any player. Exactly. Go back and watch the Ohio (laughs) State. We don't win those. Go back and watch the
1: Ohio State game and watch the USC game. Take Drew Kelson off the field and tell me what happens.
0: Reggie Bush has fucking two hundred yards. I almost dropped an f bomb.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. boy, you came close. Yeah, boy, you came close. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) And then your starting caliber players, you also had Ryan Palmer, who was a multi-year starter at corner, and then Adam Ulatowski, who was an All-American offensive tackle. Your positive impact players, you had two of them, Peter Ullman and Nick Redwine. And then your busts, you had five of them, Jeremy Campbell, Bobby Tatum, Greg Dolan, George Walker, Myron Hardy. So your numbers for 2004, Rod, NFL hit rate 31.6%. Starting caliber player rate 31.6%. Positive impact player, 10.5%. Your bust rate, 26.3%. Five-year record, 56-8. and eight. Here's an interesting fact about the 0-4 class. Never lost a bowl game. 5-0 in bowl games, 3-0 in BCS games, five top 25 finishes, four top 10s, three top fives, one conference title, two division titles, and you contributed to the 4 Rose Bowl, the 5 National Championship, and the Fiesta Bowl in 0-8.
0: Yeah, and it, it, we basically learn if you're able to put together four classes that are arguably the best in a 20 year span and they're all back to back to back. We just talked about 02, 03, 04, 05, all those classes. Yeah. And I mean, that's I can what tell it's like bookended
2: with o- 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 02 and o- 05. That's the best ones. Yeah, and that's then what you helps. fill it out with and o- 04 out, and Because o- I think the rest of them are great filler, but they're not o- 02 and o- 05. No, o- o-
1: 02, you, o- 05. That's what I meant with 02, we're 05. We're talking eight. about the greatest recruiting class since 1998, basically, the greatest recruiting class in the last two decades. And we just rattled off four contenders, all as Matt said, all in successive years: O two, O yeah. three, O four, and 0-5. And then yeah.
0: hints how you can get a little complacent and happy and fat. Up well, on even top in at that, the end of it,
1: even before
2: that though, um, I guarantee those, and I don't know how those those early two thousands look. Well, even the building the building blocks for Mac aren't. Horrible. Yeah. Well, no. And this, these were the building block classes
0: that, like, because then it got to a point that you could offer anybody, and Texas would take them, and Mac was proud that oh, we only offer a few, and they all sign, and that's. I mean, you couldn't do that. Didn't have you had to build up the you didn't have a class that
2: decimated you. You didn't have a class that basically. Uh, disrupted or distorted your your trajectory. Yep, which is what Mac had. in you know, like oh nine, like he basically had a class he couldn't recover from, and that can happen. You literally can get a class you can't recover from.
0: And then that's what you know Jeff what I mean? he did it just, those it numbers.
2: Everything after that. And the that. thing Could.
0: about Jeff's numbers that he updated me about was after the oh nine, it's been one upped by a class that yes. came just thereafter. Yeah, we'll go yeah. ahead.
1: We'll go ahead and break it down. But Rod, to your point about not having classes that decimate you when you're trying to build it. If you look at Mac's first few classes, now your class, you had a 24% NFL hit rate, six NFL guys out Huge. of 25 qualifiers. All of them were draft picks. You had a 36% bust rate. You had nine busts in that class. But what saved you is the transition class Matt got from John Makovic that he put together in a couple of weeks. The
2: 98
1: one? The 98 class where you had 19 signees, only 18 counted because I couldn't count Adam Dunn because he went and played baseball. Mm. Uh, your bust rate, was only 11.1%. Wow, it's amazing. And yeah. that's
0: a foundational class. That's what you need, volume to come now, in. You might have a few busts, but you're going to get a ton you of You start looking there. at two,
1: 2000, that was the Roy Sloan and BJ class. Your NFL hit rate in that class, out of 21 qualifying signees in 2000, 28.6% NFL hit rate. Your bust rate was only 19%. Yep. There
0: you go. So you're under 20. And those at are two, your foundations.
1: At 2001, your NFL hit rate is 25%. That's Cedric Benson, Derrick Johnson, Michael Huff. Your bust rate is only 15%. You set those foundations so,
0: and landed big stars, yeah. and it just rolled through until you could basically take anybody, and that's why 06, 07, 08 was whenever maybe the evaluation. Since you could get whoever you wanted, you weren't grinding to build this entire class and build back this reputation of Texas football.
1: That's how you survive, you know, a 36% bust rate in that 99 class, which, Rod, I yeah. ran down some of the names. I mean, you talked about how talented some of these guys were that you came in with. Uh, you know, you ran down Jason Barron, uh, Antonio Moore, Kendrick Turner, is the guy that we talked about. Yeah, <laughs> hey, you
2: Kendrick know, know, Turner was probably NFL corner. He just – You know, Adam, knucklehead. Adam
1: Hall was a starting quarterback at San Diego State. He just wasn't going to beat out mm-hmm. Chris Sims. Yeah. Uh Funny you, I didn't really know anything about Gerald Hanson other than he was Mighty fast. Hansen, but you put dude, in he was fast you, as hell. Yeah, you he put in.
2: Yeah, he he had a tail. Basically, every time he would like break a route, he would like shuffle his arms. He would. Mm-hmm. Over, like, I don't know why he was. it over exaggerate his arms, and so you, he had a tail, that mm-hmm. he couldn't get rid of it. Literally, he could not get rid of it. And I think that was the end of his football career. Fatal flaw.
1: You yeah, had yeah, Ty- like, just Ty- watch Ty- his arms. Tyrone Richardson, who was like Chris Whaley, Henry Melton before. Those guys came after down. Pike, yeah, uh, Ryan Haywood, uh, Shane Hudnall, Kenny Hyder. Kenny Hyder's a decent running back. He got reps at TCU when he went yeah. there. Yeah. Just wasn't going to beat out Cedric Benson. He wasn't going to
2: beat out Cedric. He knew that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's how, but that's how you survive losing some talented guys is the the bust rates around those classes are minimal. It's got to be the exception and not the rule because I think Mac, basically, that 09
2: class, not only is the bust rate extremely high, but then after that, I think he has another one within the next two years of that '09. That two or three years. That's kind it's of it's really thirteen. He, it's has, exceptionally the high too, he right? has the too, right? The numbers it's '09. So right another when one nine
0: that just, is just about wrecks when you're 20, about to purge those people out, you yeah. could have a good 2013 class, and that was when yeah. it re- all your, happened over again. Uh, yep.
1: your 2013 class, which is probably the worst class in modern recruiting history for Texas. It is the exact opposite of the 2005 class where we talked about a 46.7% bust rate and a 20 uh, – I'm sorry, a 46.7% NFL hit rate and a 20% bust rate. In the 13 class, it was opposite. You had a 20% NFL hit rate. Only one of those guys was a draft pick. That was Jeff Swaim in the seventh <laughs> round. <laughs> that should barely yeah. even Kent out. Perkins as an undrafted free agent. <laughs> Tyrone Swoops as a tight end as an undrafted free agent. And your bust rate was 46.7%.
2: That that's the class. That's yeah. the f- that's what killed that's the class Texas. that put the nail in the coffin yeah, for Matt. And, and it killed Charlie. Killed yeah. Charlie. it killed Charlie before Charlie ever even got a chance. That's the class that killed Charlie. Mac basically planted. Uh, he planted a bomb. In Charlie Strong's
1: regime, With and nine, it, blew, and he it would blow
2: up two, three years later, but yep. he didn't even have any. And idea. then
0: replanted 09. And when 13. I when
1: yeah. I went back and, and, he, and again, this is me being you know kind of more hardly defining busts and guys moving categories. Your bust rate in 2009, forty two point nine percent.
2: Oh, so it's not even as high as 2013.
1: Right, 2013 is they've taken the title as the worst. But your bust rate, Rod, for 2000 the 2010 class. Thirty-seven and a half percent. Yeah,
2: so you back-to-back classes yeah. of really high bus rates. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Right and after, and your bus, your, your, best bu- your bus,
0: five-year f- span of three, five years. So you got a
2: forty-two point nine percent bus rate. No nine, 36, What did you say? 30, Thirty-seven and a half. Thirty-seven percent bus rate.
0: Think of how 10? many scholarships there you go. you're that's wasting. It.
2: Then that's it. That's yeah. the that's Mac Brown Texas football. That's a full that twenty-two, right 22 man
0: roster right there. Those
2: back-to-exactly those back-to-back rosters. You being off right there. You never, you didn't, you never recovered. And right. then 2013, so basically, made those are the two worse. classes that killed Mac Brown. 2013, he doesn't killed even Charlie. see the destruction of that. That's some Charlie's destruction. Right. In yep. 2013's class. Yep. And Charlie, who made his own bad decisions, he couldn't recover from because that. Because Charlie, Charlie
1: did all right. Yeah. Charlie ran off all these guys out of the program Darius James, De- DeAndre Davis, Rami Hamad, Desmond Harrison, Shavosky Collins, Eric Hune, Montrell Meander. Those were all purge guys. Yep. They were all in 2013 class. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah, was seven guys he purges from that class there. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah.
1: You ba- you had wow. you basically had two guys out of that class that that helped Tom Herman as fifth year seniors, Nashawn Hughes and Antoine Davis.
2: Yeah. If you want to win national titles, maximize your recruiting class. If you want to keep your job, mm-hmm. just don't screw up the don't have the class. B- a bad high bust rate don't have rate. the bust rate yeah That's don't gonna have where that w- that'd get you <laughs> fired cuz that bust rate is going to end up with a bad product on the field Texas obviously needs to be worried about winning national titles so got to get back to the old 502 classes but, but
1: here here's where yeah. here's where Tom kind of turned it around a little bit with the 2014 class which was a lot of Charlie guys but these were you know Tom Herman's guys for the last couple of years your bust rate in 2014 it's only 22.7% that's some it's development. not good, but you're improving. You're in 2014 Derek Roberson, uh, Duke Catalan, Jermaine Roberts, Blake Wiley, Cam Hampton. Uh, and then you had, I mean, there's some guys in the, the positive impact category that could go into the bust category. But Tom Herman ended up squeezing some juice out of guys like, Lorenzo, Joe, Dorian Leonard, Terrell Cooney, Garrett Gray. Yeah, yeah. You know, Roderick Bernard was injured. But 2015, do you realize right now, yeah, 2015 the NFL now, hit rates high. Now, all these guys aren't going to make it, right, in 2015. But as of right now, the 2015 signing class that Charlie Strong put together, it's tracking to have the highest percentage of NFL caliber guys of any recruiting class since 98.
0: Now, awesome.
1: all these guys aren't going to make it, right? But right now it's a forty point seven percent NFL hit rate. I'm sorry, it would be number two behind two thousand five. My bad. You
2: know, it'll it'll probably end up around 30, 35 or thirty or you know, low thirties. But still 20, that's what
0: you want as yeah. a base for any class and like this this is sort of a good thing when you breaking down the amount of busts and we see it sort of visually and see the numbers, you can actually realize like The context that's needed for, because you always hear, well, I got other schools, they got freshmen playing and we should be able to get production out of our freshmen. It's like, yeah, but a lot of these times our freshmen weren't playing because they were good or the better players. They were playing because they had to, because you had no players. You had these bust 46% or 37%. So when you're filling those holes, it's just because somebody has to get onto the field, not necessarily a good player. And it can sort of give you context to that.
1: But this kind of shows you where where you're tracking rods. So of that 2015 class, at least eight of those guys we know for a fact are going to count towards your NFL hit rate. Connor Williams, Malik Jefferson, Charles Amenehu, Michael Dixon, Deshaun Elliott, Chris Boyd, Holton Hill, Chris Warren. Yeah, Those guys are for sure, those eight guys are locked in to count it towards your NFL hit rate. And we'll see what happens with Devontae Davis, P.J. Locke, and Brecken Hager, and John Burt, and Kirk Johnson still have eligibility left. We'll see what categories they end up with right now. they are going to be high though. Right now I've got John Burt tracking to the starting caliber player category and Kirk Johnson in the positive impact category. You did have eight busts in that class. Ryan Newsom, DeAndre McNeil, Kyle Loxley, Cecil Cherry, Buck Major, Garrett Thomas, Matthew Merrick, Tristan Houston. You, still so had, a, you still, really had You you have bust a 30 rate. you're right at 30% bust rate, yeah. but you're in a, it, it to like Matt talked about on that curve, your NFL hit rate is going to be really end up being really high too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if you can get those top end ones, those are the championships caliber teams. You know, like if you can get that top end of that class to have a few of those, that's what you want to have with that foundation. Like that's why that 15 class is so big because it's sort of like that foundational one. And if you don't lose momentum, then just hit on some big stars and you should be looking good.
1: But for Tom, that's why we talked about the 2017 class, that transition class being so huge because we talked about Charlie's, though, that 13 class Mm -hmm. with the Purge. I mean, you start looking at 2016. Some of those guys that you know got themselves dismissed or realized they weren't fit for the new culture, Uh, you know, I think Patrick Hudson probably gonna end up counting towards the bust rate. It's it's injuries, just one of those things that just happens. Uh, But Eric Fowler was out, Gene DeLance was out, Jordan Elliott was out, Chris Daniels was out, uh, Andrew Fitzgerald was, I think, a medical maybe. I think quote football, Kyle Porter. Won't count against the bust rate, I don't think, but he's one of those guys based on career trajectory is yeah. kind of on the border. Eric Cuffey, Marcel Southall, Reggie Hemphill, uh, DeMarco Boyd's probably going to count against it. Davion Curtis, I think, will count against it. Peyton O'Quinn. So that 2016 class is going to have a really high bust rate, but yeah. it's also it has a chance to have a decent NFL hit rate depending on what happens with guys like Brandon Jones, Jeffrey McCulloch, Colin Johnson, uh, somebody else in that class. Also the context for that, too. L.J. Humphrey. Malcolm Roach. Malcolm Roach. Zach Shackleford. Yeah. Some no, of those it, it could end up really
0: good. And then you have those, you know, incoming classes for a guy, that's a type of situation where some of those busts are by the choice of say the coach that it's like, okay, well, it's going to be better for you to transfer a out. Mutual it's different parting than a ways. normal bust like if you're 5 year or a normal transfer if you're 5 years in and a guy just transfers out. This was a culture change type transfer and those things just happen in those first classes with a new coach which that's is going to make those numbers be higher. I agree with
1: that. So Ryan, but I mean, you look at the twenty the twenty seventeen class, and I know we gotta get out of here, this will be the last thing I talk about, but I mean, and we've talked about it before, but in the context of, of talking about Tom Herman building this program, that transition class is really gonna help stabilize things because you start running down the uh the guys, Sam Ellinger, probably gonna mm-hmm. count hey, probably towards your the NFL franchise quarterback. Uh Taquan Graham, Gary Johnson, uh, Montreal still still on a roster, Josh Thompson still on a roster. Reese Leto, Marquez Bimage, Kobe Boyce, Derek Kerstetter, Danny Young, Jordan Pouncy, Kate Brewer, Sam Cosme, who, believe it or not, in the 24 7 sports composite, there were 154 prospects in the state of Texas better than Sam Cosme. He's mm-hmm. probably going to be your next NFL offensive lineman. Yeah. Uh, Rob Cummins, Jamari Chisholm, Josh Rowland. Yeah, I all those guys. We've seen a lot of those guys play. O- the only guy right now in that class that's contributing towards the bust rate is Tonyel Carter. Yeah, you got somebody. Everybody. Yeah, oh, I like Even
0: that had playing a little bit. Like I had friends being like, "Ooh, who's this running back?" Like that,
1: like that '98 class Mac had. Even if the NFL hit rate's not very high, that that those categories in the middle, if they're full, which means, at the very least, you're getting backups. And you're probably getting a lot of starters out of that group. Like, let me go back and run down 98 real quick before we get out of here. Because I think this kind of shows you. <laughs> it's like the Houston Rockets. Those are your like P.J. Like, what Tuckers, you need out of a transition class. Team. Like, what ideally you would want out of a transition class. You had Adam Dunn. I didn't count. Uh, but in the NFL hit rate, you had three guys. Mike Williams. Amad Brooks, Marcus Wilkins. Marcus Wilkins had like the strangest. Yay, under- yeah, undrafted free agent, Not a starter back. at Texas. Yeah. Undrafted free agent and ends up playing yeah, play for like seven, several years.
0: He went to Texas? but I think Mo Evans is the basketball you, version of Wilkins. You talk mm-hmm.
1: about guys that were multiple-year starters. Some of these guys ended up getting beat out, but these were guys you played with that at the very least, they were multiple-year starters, probably got beat out by a better guy, but at least were good roster filler guys in your starting caliber player category. Lee Jackson, Ervis Hill. I threw Bo Trahan in there because he was on every yeah. damn special teams, uh, and you can speak to the value of, of Bo yeah, Trahan. Legit, yeah, Bo Trahan, yeah, uh, team captain at times. Antoine Kirk Hughes, Tyrone Jones, and Everett Rawls. Yeah. And even your positive impact players, guys that maybe they started some games but maybe didn't hit their ceiling or you know, injuries or whatever, Bo Baker, Jermaine Anderson, Miguel McKay, John Wyndham, Victor Ike, Courtney Garcia, Montreau Flowers.
2: Yeah. Most of those guys ended up getting stayed more than two years. Point. Gave you something,
1: Courtney Garcia. Yeah. I didn't realize like one year. I didn't realize one year he was like, or two years was like the leading punt returner.
2: Yeah, no, he was a good player. No, I remember that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I didn't realize that uh, that had no class clue. had been that uh, significant, that impactful.
1: Only two, only two guys. I would I would put in the bus category: uh, Jamal Joyner and Chris Robertson. And even mm-hmm. Chris Robertson
2: yeah. one year had like 10 touchdowns. I want to say he actually well, did. Yeah, Chris Robertson played. But
1: yeah. he was out two years. He was in the two year when they transferred for playing time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so, that's a good point. I agree with that. But that's what you need out of a transition class. That's what at the very least what Tom's going to get out of 98 and or I mean, out of out of 17. And hell, like you said, Rod, Found a franchise quarterback in that class.
2: Yeah. Just keep the bus rate down, man. Seems to be like what you need to do. Nobody yeah. knows what. I, I don't think we can figure out what makes a great class yet, but we know what makes a bad class.
1: Yeah, yeah. high bus. You need some type of production. Yeah, you know what I mean. Don't like, just yeah. get, don't mess don't up be and wasting scholarships. Exactly. Yeah. Is it kind of like when? I, and I I should know this because I researched it in college. Is that kind of like when the the Larry Flint Jerry Falwell case, where the Supreme <laughs> yeah, Court talked about the definition of pornography? I can't tell you what the definition is, but I, I know it when I see it. Yep. That that's actually is court, way
2: before said. that. It's yep. like in the 60s or something. Mm. Yeah, it's like in the 70s, early it's 80s. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. early. But it's the same thing. Before, like I can't. It's the same thing, yeah.
1: I can't tell you yeah. what makes a good recruiting class, but i damn sure can tell you what makes a bad one. Yeah, At a high bus rate. that's yeah. a terrible recruiting class. Yeah. All right, well, that was jam-packed with information. We will swim through it, sort it out, delve into it throughout yeah. the summer, and I've got different things I'm going to do with all that research. So that was just a little taste of what Rabbit I've been holding. doing the last uh, week or so. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rob, for Travis, the best damn videographer in a podcast game who's finally awake from his nap over there. <laughs> <laughs> for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn. 1049 1019 AM 1260 streaming on the Horn app and at HornFM.com where you can get Rod each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Uh, you can get this podcast on Megaphone, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast part of the 24 7 sports podcast network and thanks to matt you can get our classic interviews classic shows all of our archives on the longhorn blitz soundcloud page yep just type in longhorn blitz for the horn family for the horns 24 7 family i am jeff howe thank you so much for downloading and listening and we will catch you again on the next episode